Hi there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am here, as always, with Head of Development at Giant Space Cap, Brianna Wu. How you doing, Bri? Woo! I will not be smashing any furniture today on today's opening for a very, very good reason. And that reason is... Right now, there's a puppy in my lap. I have a new Aww, puppy, yay. and she is so adorable. She's so small, and she's so little. Aww. And I, 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 I disrespected this show by naming her Rocket and not Isometric. So, well, that's okay because I just got a fish and named and named the fish Isometric. Okay, Are you good. serious? Good. No, I'm not serious at all. <laughs> well, now oh. you have to get a fish. You have to get a fish, Steve. I thought you weren't kidding, and now I actually feel kind of hurt. Bree, you, you, you've met my children. How long do you yes. think a, a fish tank would survive in my house? Uh, That's in, just a puddle yeah. waiting to happen is yeah, what that is. I don't, I don't think that would work out well. <laughs> Though I do want to hang out with you, Steve, because I know your fear of dogs. And I want to get my, my vicious puppy, Rocket, who is, like, tiny. And I want to see you. I want to see the fear in your eyes in response to Rocket as <laughs> she's near you. And I want to get it on camera. So I oh, want to, like, have my iPhone and we'll pan down to Rocket and then go to your expression and then, like, get that on YouTube. I think that would be awesome. Only if so, you could take video with your watch. I can. Yeah. Or who's staying up tonight to order an Apple Watch? I might. I am. I'm going to be stupid. And uh, what? Do it, so, yeah. So, we'll yeah, be I recording just... for six hours so that you two <laughs> right. can just go ahead. Right. And, well, and, I'm and definitely order getting it. I just don't. I... Sorry. I'll wait till you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who's <laughs> even on this show? So, who's even on the show? So, we also have uh, assistant games editor from Pace Magazine and uh, impatient person, Maddie Myers. How are you doing, Maddie? Um, hey, I'm so impatient that I'm not going to wait up for an Apple Watch. I'm going to go to bed. So you three can have fun with that and tell me about your watches later. I'm going and to bed after the show, too. I'm not I'm not ordering an Apple Watch. I only just got an iPhone 6. That's how behind I am on Whoa. everything. So oh. I, I, I expect to get an Apple Watch in the next three years, maybe maybe the next decade. I don't know. Who knows? You know? What I will do, Maddie, is like Georgia and I will be on like next gen tech stuff. So when I when I send her penises that I draw on my Apple Watch, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's weird that I don't actually feel left out of that at all. I'm like happy. <laughs> I know, to- right? I, I will mail that to your house with analog old school technology, like just okay. so you don't feel left out. Wow, that would be kind of amazing. <laughs> instead, <laughs> instead of using the watch to tap on your wrist, Bree's just going to drive to your house and come and tap on your wrist randomly. I think it would be really amazing if you like looked up our contract, found my address, and snail mailed me a drawing of a penis. That would really <laughs> impress me. Right. That would take a lot of steps for you to to do. That's dedication. And now I would know it was you. Because <laughs> no, it was someone else. Actually, don't do that. It would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> okay, introduce somebody else, Steve. I command you. Uh, we have uh, psychotherapist by day, senior editor, and a recovering zombie by night, Georgia Dow. How are you doing, Georgia? I'm good. I'm recovering. I'm recovering. The worst part is that, so tomorrow I'm, uh, I'm going to be keynoting at, at NS North. And so I went to see my pharmacist and I'm like, like, t- like, give me something so that I'm not going to have a coughing fit. And she's like, it's okay. Just don't talk for the rest of the night. And I'm like, okay, let me think. I have, like, five more hours of therapy, and then I'm doing isometric, and we're moving over to Relay, and so it's going to be loud. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to cough all through my keynote. That's it. Oh. There's no chance for me. You couldn't just, just say, just give me some drugs? and I did. I did. I was totally denied. She looked at me and said I was sketchy, and that was it. Oh, Really? No. And then and then you karate kicked her across the pharmacy? Right, right. 
Yeah, Georgia, I would be willing to like do my Georgia Dow impression for the show, and I could play <laughs> the part of both Brianna and Georgia Dow throughout the show. And then you could just not talk. Like you could, you could type what you want me to say to like through the chat, and I would, I would be happy to do that. I want to hear your Georgia Dow impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, you, you've, you've, you've committed now, Bree. Go I will ahead. work on it. This I is our 50th episode. You need to do a Georgia Dow impression. No, no, yeah. I, will, I will work. I was what actually... do I sound like? <laughs> Apparently, I do a perfect Georgia Dow impression because nobody can tell us apart, but I honestly can't hear the similarity at all. I, I can't either. I You're... feel like I sound like Daria, and Georgia sounds like Georgia. She's one of a kind. She doesn't sound like anybody else but Georgia Dow, so I don't know. I guess I could, like, pitch my voice up like this and say against <laughs> oh, man. oh my god it's like there are two georgias on this podcast I can't even... wait, wait who's talking right now I, i'm so confused i don't uh, even know who's talking right now uh it's definitely not maddie myers maddie before we start the show i have to tell you it was so weird it was so weird that i'm I, like i'm on a plane so much these days i don't even know where i am and i'm like i'm walking through an airport and i'm like Wait a minute! I've been here before. It's the restaurant where you and I had lunch in Chicago, and I'm like, "Wait, I'm back here. Why am I?" It was like so surreal. You're like replaying the Chicago game level because you didn't get a perfect the first time, and and this time you lost all your souls on American Airlines and had to go back through again. You have to do it without the Maddie Myers tooltip that like decided when we were going to get on the plane. That's true. Because that is what I did. <laughs> I am God mode in airports. I always know what's up. <laughs> so, Georgia, do you have enough energy for this game show that you wanted to do before we get into the topics today? Yeah, or, sure. Because, you know, do. again, this is our 50th episode, so we need to do something special. So it's our 50th episode. It is our first. It is our first episode on, on Relay <laughs> FM. We're super excited. Woo! I love Relay FM. Let me just tell you, I think this is an amazing network. I've been yeah. listening to a lot of their shows. I think they are very, very high quality. And I love doing business with Relay. I think they are just amazing to work with. And I am I am very proud to be on this network. Yeah. No, this is this is super exciting. I am really excited to completely destroy the, the reputation that this fine network has with our nonsense. <laughs> right. Exactly. To make them regret ever having us on. That's what we want. Let's kick it off with Georgia probably playing songs that were written before I was born while I try to guess what they could possibly be. Okay, but first, first we need to do like our game show theme song, right? Okay. Is it Name That Game? Yeah, well, okay, we could do it like that. It's actually Name That Stage. Name so, That okay. Stage. Okay. So, Bree, you have to, you have to beatbox. Okay, Maddie, go ahead. It's name that stage. Okay. And and Bri- Steve, you're back up. Okay. <laughs> we are entering a digital age. We're gonna name that stage. We're gonna name that stage. Name that stage. <laughs> that was yeah. perfect. Okay. So uh what we're gonna do is these are all Street Fighter 2. Arcade version <gasps> stage levels. I'm oh out. my god, great. <laughs> great. Yeah. I got and, this. And since Steve won the last game, I have I tipped This I've is tipped heavily weighted in favor of Brian. Yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, well, I, I thought it was good for both of you. Is the bonus round Metroid? I mean, what? 
I actually don't. I don't know that I'm really going to be able to do this. Is the quiz about like which stewardesses sit on which boxes in the no, background? Oh, no, the- no. It's just l- listen to the music and name the stage. Oh, that is going to be hard. Okay. Is it which location? Because those are location stages. Or do we have to name the character? Person's location. So if you pick the person, that's their theme music. Okay. Okay. Bree's going to win this. Don't catch yourself out. Believe in yourself, Maddie. Oh, I'm going to try as hard as I can. I just know my limitations. Okay. Are you guys ready? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. 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 Okay. Here we go. It's the first one. Japan, for you. Jesus Christ. It was like one note and Brie was like, Japan! I don't even think the music played. Was that even right? It would be funny if it were wrong. Or Maddie. She, Georgia, like, completely stacks the deck in Maddie's favor. Bree just no, steals it, it after it's, it's Bree's favor for sure. I, I love Street Fighter, but... I, I thought this was good for Bree. I'm terrible at name that game, frankly. I'm, okay. I'm sorry. Okay, I've, No, I love it, but I, I can never guess anything out of context. I don't know Ironically, why. given that you're the musician of the four of us, I, too. I wonder if that's what's hindering me. Like, I'm overthinking it, you know? Right. Just name something. Just just, just, just scream something out. Cool. I'll just scream countries. Go. Or you can just name the person. It doesn't even have to be the country. Don't even worry. Okay? That's true. That's true. That's true. Okay. Swaziland. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> Make me cough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not going to be able to speak at all tomorrow. It's all your fault. Okay. Ready. Here we go. The second one. I know Breeze. She's not even speaking so she can hear the music. She's just charging up. She's charging <laughs> right now. She's in okay. a lower crouch position and she's charging. <laughs> she has a three-point landing right now with her arm in the air. Sonic boom. Sonic boom. Yeah. yeah. Here we go. Suddenly, China. I was going to say China, but I was afraid. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't. I have to go. I thought it was E Honda, and I didn't even get the chance to get it out. And I probably should just kept that. No, to myself. no, 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 no. You have to remember, like how reductively racist this game was. <laughs> like <laughs> those instruments sound like they could be from China. Therefore, it's China. Like okay. that's how easy this is. So next time, Steve, just like think more racistly, and then be like, "What is this? What does this stereotypically sound like? It would be from. It's not actually going to be accurate to the country's music. It's going to just be what you feel like it might be." So Kyle's stage is just going to be like a pickup truck and and steve uh, are you telling me you don't know guile's theme i probably don't i probably will not get it okay the next one you guys ready guile's theme let's go steve yeah. <laughs> see? see you prove you prove me right guile's theme goes with everything steve you don't even know what that meme is from i don't i do i am so like street fighter ignorant <sighs> okay okay well, here we go this is the the final question okay, here we go i'm glad i got guile's theme Uh, (laughs) did brie already say it i couldn't even hear her she did (laughs) i'm sure she did i'm sure she did let's make let's make i'm gonna make a hard one here we go this is difficult guys okay i don't know if it's difficult for brie but this is difficult for 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 regular people here we go (laughs) oh it's a bonus stage Hmm. Is, that is it like a final boss stage? I don't know. Oh, that's Spain. That's Vega. Vega, Vega, Vega. Sorry. What <laughs> character is from Spain? Vega, Vega, right? That's what the chat says. 
They're probably right. Let's just cheat and do whatever the chat room says. They're probably right. <laughs> That's the only reason we have a chat room is to let us cheat in these games. So you know, actually, almost no one in the chat room knew these, which is a sign that we're super hardcore. All right, I dare GamerGate to call me a fake gamer girl. Like, hey man, after that, this, after yes. that, that's pretty impressive. All right, you deserve your crown, Brie. You deserve your beautiful Street Fighter tiara for that. I'm going to go to Burger King immediately after this and get a crown. It's going to awesome. be great. You yeah. should. I, I, I'm surprised that you don't just have a stockpile of them in your house just for this kind of occasion. You know, actually, my employees did give me a tiara, so oh, really? I should go get that. And <laughs> you wear should, that you right should be now. wearing that tiara. You've, you've earned it. I've, is this what self-esteem feels like? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think, I think the way to get self-esteem is to win a game show that georgia comes up with yes so that's like the hey. only way hey. that i know of to do that it. is that is a true statement <laughs> it's true it's true is it is this is this part of your therapy sessions georgia that you 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 boost people's people's self-esteem by letting them identify songs from classic video games it works hey you know Bri, how do you feel do you feel better brie I do. I do. Hey, I do. Nice. Like, yeah, just to get real with you guys, like, I've had probably 20 to 30 death threats in the last 24 hours. So oh it feels really good to, to, to win something. So this is, mm-hmm. uh, this has been nice. This has been nice. I did know what Guile's theme was, though. I'm just going to point that no, out. No, no, no. You got it. You got it. Did I you don't... let me get that one or don't tell me? Don't tell me. <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to know. Kidding? I don't want to know. Bree's a competitor. She's not going to give anyone anything. That's a pretty. That's a good point. But like, maybe Brie was sensing that like I really needed at least one point just to feel like I was a, a real gamer, and she was like, "I'm going to let Maddie take this one." No, 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 you're a real gamer. I want. I really do want to play you at Street Fighter Four at some point. And I mean, just because it's. I mean, like, I know I can beat Frank. Like, that's not a challenge, you know? So, uh, I don't know. You can probably still that. beat me, but I might last a little longer. And, you know, that's that's something to be proud of, I think. Like, maybe the match might actually go into overtime, you know? I, I think it would be fun. I I want to, I mean, I want to play you at, 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 at Super Smash at some point. Like, I was really bummed you didn't bring your 3DS to, to Iowa. Because, I mean, I've really grown to love that game. I think it's just amazing. I know, but I had to like write and work in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, whatever. No <laughs> job. I didn't play any games while I was there. I was really annoyed oh. about that. Actually, oh. I just wrote the whole time. Ugh, money. God, responsibility Jobs. sucks. Don't they understand that I just want to play Smash? <laughs> uh, how long? How long do you guys think I could get away with pitching more articles about Super Smash Brothers? I wrote a piece for Offworld about Super Smash Brothers. How long can I make it relevant? Do you? Well, think? the DLC comes out next week. That's true. That's true. I could probably like eke out another six hundred columns just about that, right? Yeah, just write all about Mewtwo. Mewtwo from every angle. Mewtwo's pretty sweet. I mean, I remember the first Pokemon movie. Serious oh, business. Yeah. Anyway. I, say, anyway. I, I think Pokemon plays really well on the new 3DS. I mean, it really does. It's um, it it doesn't cramp my hand as much as it used to. It's it's obviously not as good as using the Pro Controller, but it's it's a solid experience. Pokemon or Smash Brothers? I'm sorry, I meant Smash Brothers. Okay, sorry. You meant that. Pokemon because yeah. there's so <laughs> many Pokemon in that game. Am I right? This is a new stand-up routine I'm working on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Since we're already talking about old games, we should talk about some more old games. Uh, so the the EFF came out with something this week that uh, a couple of months ago they had 
uh, submitted an application for an exemption uh, to the the DMCA to allow people who are trying to preserve old video games that rely on um, online servers to either as part of the single player or as a multiplayer component to modify the games to allow them to be able to be preserved even after those servers go down. Um, the, the example that they used in their original post about this a couple months ago was Mario Kart Wii, which was part of uh, a system-wide uh, shutdown of, of the servers that all of Nintendo's games for the DS and for the original Wii uh, all shut down at the same time because they all relied on GameSpy's technology and GameSpy shut down, and so those servers all came down. So they were petitioning for this exemption, and the ESA, the, the Entertainment Software Association, which is the big uh, lobbying group for the major, the major public video game publishers, um, they posted a comment that was basically an objection saying that it's going to cause piracy and they compared it to console jailbreaking, which the, uh, which the DMCA has already upheld as not being exempt from this. So the EFF put out this pretty scathing post uh, yesterday as we're recording this calling out the ESA for putting whatever whatever losses they're going to have from piracy against uh, the, the preservation of games for history. And this is not like an uncommon thing because there are so many games right now that have either a, a server component or uh, rely on the server completely, something like uh, like Drive Club or, or Destiny or Diablo that rely on the on the multi on the online component completely and if those servers get shut down those games are going to become completely unplayable what did you guys think about this is this uh, did this surprise you or i mean, probably not because this is the ESA the ESA's you know job i guess but what was your uh, reaction to this it's crap yeah <laughs> okay next topic <laughs> No, I mean it's confiscatory. It's 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 outrageous. I mean, you know, video game archiving. Uh, I actually, I have to admit, I wasn't that familiar with the actual job of you know a video game archivist. And um, so I've been, I've been talking to some some friends this week in the in the wake of this. And you know, like these kind of limitations really really make it more difficult for them. You know, especially if you're working for a university. You know, it's really important to like be in compliance with the law. You know, and, you know, what what's really ironic about this is the people that are most interested and, you know, have like completely pure motivations in, in modifying this content are really hampered from it. And yeah, this is this is a really, really critical issue. I mean, there's so many games from the PS3 era we're just going to completely lose. I mean, Maddie, you like me, you've probably put a lot of time into Gears of War, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine, like, pretty soon, like, in a few years from now, we're going to be completely unable to play Gears of War at all. Like, even solo. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just going to... This is really troubling. And, you know, I really care about these games, and they've you've got to work within reality so we can preserve this content. Do you think that there's anything I personally can do about that? Cause I need to be able to play gears of war. <laughs> like who do I, who do I contact? <laughs> Those are like some of my favorite games. I think Cliff Blazinski follows me on Twitter. I don't think he has any control over this. Sadly, like jokes aside, I, I actually don't think he would be able to prevent this. I, yeah. I do not know to whom to address my sternly worded, email or letter i'll write it on real paper if i have to i i don't know what if we can't play horde mode anymore 
That's terrible. Really yeah. Sad. yeah. I mean, I guess the cynical reaction to this would be, well, they'll just release a remastered collection of it on the next gen systems, like they did with Halo. You think? And start and charge for it again. There are all kinds of Super Nintendo games and Nintendo games I love dearly, and I can't get yeah. on. Yeah. You know, like they're not going to release a remastered version of every game. Like they might do that with Gears, might, but I don't know. And I. I feel like we couldn't expect that for every game. But Gears is not in danger of being forgotten historically. Like, there are a lot of smaller Nintendo games that are really at risk of, like, completely, like, just never existing again. Let me give you an example. Spy vs. Spy in the Nintendo era. That was a really, really good game. And, you know, like, they're never going to re-release that because, like, the copyright issues get in the way. and It's, it's mm-hmm. complicated. And, they're, and, like, the we, older a game is, the harder it is to determine who really owns it anymore. Exactly. And stuff like exactly. that can end up in court for years. Yeah. Or Duke Nukem or, yeah. Yeah, No One Lives Forever is a big, a big deal that they got really close to figuring out who owns the licensing for that and then being able to re-release it. And somebody had plans to re-release it. I forget what company it was. And then something fell through and now No One Lives Forever is just kind of... You know, out in if you can run DOSBox, maybe you can play it. But other than that, I mean, that's a game that I actually want to play, and and I never got around to playing it when it came out, and I can't. I mean, it, it was the same thing with Grim Fandango, but they were able to go to heroic efforts to release that. So I mean, there's already so many technical hurdles and licensing hurdles just to be able to do this to then introduce like a legal hurdle on top of it. Just seems like it's really disrespectful to the history of the of the industry. I mean, Georgia, what do you think of of all this? I think exactly that. Like we, we have spent so much time and effort trying to preserve um, books and all things that are historical of nature. We've done the same thing with movies. There's so many old movies that we've lost because we didn't think that they would be of historical value to us as a culture because at a point in time, movies were also thought of as like, ah, they're not really that important. They're not as important as books. And the same thing with games. And, like, really, if they don't, like, hackers will take care of it and they'll, like, you know, people will start storing games on their computers and doing it illegally if not. But there's some that will just get lost and they're also a part of our history. And I think that all of our history is really important and has value and has something to say about the time. So I think it would be really sad. Um, We should try to make this easier and it should be, like, really just store it in some way and shape or form and then we can figure out the legality of it after and not the legality of it, but you can then work out how do we do this properly, but let's make sure that we preserve everything because one day we look back on, you know, where we were, and I think that that's important to say about our culture. Can can I say, and I, I completely agree with that, um, and I think, like, adding on to that, you know, one of the reasons we're going through and we're redoing Revolution 60 and we're changing all the body types and, you know, armoring up Holiday is... I think a lot about, like, this is a game I spent many years of my life on. And, you know, like, I think about the historic way that that game is going to be remembered because we have some really passionate fans out there. Mm -hmm. And, like, I really care about what the legacy of that game is. And I think any, like, all the games we're talking about here, I think, like, as consumers, we so often think of it as, like, meaningless entertainment. It's really easy to forget that, like, you have teams of people that, that, you know, spent their lives doing this. Like, I tear up sometimes when I read, like, the the credits screen at the end. Like, a new trend is they'll say, like, um, deus ex babies. And they'll list all the children that were born while the game was in production. And I think about Crunch, and I think about, you know, all the parents that are missing time at home with their their children when I see that screen. Mm -hmm. So this is is historic work. Mm -hmm. It is. 
It's it's just it. <sighs> and people, there were artists and writers, and you know programmers, and also for the people that worked on it, this is their legacy as well. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that you know we were remiss to do the same thing with movies, and there's some movies that are lost forever because of that. Let's let's try to learn from our history and and keep it because you know history changes and there's some things that are unfortunately they you know once you lose them you can't get them back yeah and i mean it's it's becoming like such the norm to have a multiplayer component or to have a multiplayer not even so much being a component but just like a, a integral part of the game and i mean this isn't even talking about mmos they're the exemption that they're asking for is separate from mmos and that's a completely different challenge because that's that's kind of more difficult to recreate without the community around it but i mean it, it's going to get to the point where you're not going to be able to preserve anything if this stands because everything's going to have a server component. And if, if those servers shut down and it's not like this is something that, you know, happens rarely. I mean, especially with like a sports game, usually those servers only stay up for a year or two yeah. and then they're and then they're done. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like these companies are going to be keeping these servers around for years and years because at a certain point it just becomes a business decision and nobody blames them right. for, for wanting to shut them down. But it's just it, – this is going to become the normal. We're going to lose a lot of games to uh, – you know, just to this particular ruling if it stands. Mm-hmm. I mean think of yeah, – that's, that's really, really true, Steve. I mean look at Far Cry 4. And you know, they kind of reached a limit at how much they could innovate for that specific game. So what did they add for Far Cry 4? They add this online component, and you know, Ubisoft implements it in this horrendous way with their stupid Uplay service where I'm like trying to get coins to just unlock certain weapons in the game. And you know, the truth is that like a decade from now, you will not be able to play Far Cry 4. I mean, uh, assuming that they don't do something to keep servers up and running. And, yeah, that's chances are in a decade I'm not going to want to play that, but that game should be remembered. And this is just, you know, it's it's competing forces. Like, politics is, is it's never idealism, like the, the best idea wins. I think sometimes people don't understand, like, politics is, it's, it's dirty. It's like, you have the ESA, who is a consumer group, and they've got political power and lawyers, and then you have the EFF, which is a much scrappier um, you know, group with political power. And then they go after these competing interests and hopefully somewhere in the middle, like we get a result that's that's best for us. So, you know, this is why what the EFF does is so important because you have these overarching corporate interests that don't give a damn about any of this. No. You know, they they don't. You know, and I just it's it's really important stuff. You know, you're talking about Far Cry 4 and I'm thinking of a more important example, which is Mass Effect 3. Yeah, because Mass Effect 3, if you don't do the multiplayer, you cannot get the some of the endings. Yeah. And I mean, they had and even there they had the multiplayer and they also had another option where they had an iPhone app where you could do uh, you basically do like a, you know, like a little free to play thing and send missions. I, I do have to say, Steve, it's just to fact check this. You can get the very best ending if you like play every single mission oh, right, and make right. a lot of decisions. But yeah. you're right that it really complicates it. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the idea is that they wanted you to play the multiplayer and, yeah, and to which not is great. have that. Yeah. yeah and, and to not have that available. They've already shut down that iOS app. So that iOS app doesn't work anymore. Or it's, it, I don't even know if you can download it anymore. So the only option is to have the the multiplayer in that game. And if the multiplayer servers get shut down, that's going to cut off. It's not necessarily going to cut off that part of the game, but it's going to make it 
much more difficult for anybody who's going to be playing in the future to be able to get that in. Yeah. Well, that 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 was on a down note, so that's good. Yeah, this is sad. Do we really not have any action that we can take at all? Or are we just going to be like, well, this sucks? <laughs> well, you know, that's what we do is we complain about it on a podcast and then, you know. I, part part of the hacker ethos is people will do this anyway. You know, like they've done that with – like, Georgia, I know you were hardcore addicted to Ultima Online just oh, like yeah. I was. Oh, like yeah. that still exists. You can yep. go download it and people have it running on private servers. I'm sure it's not even close to legal. Well, yeah, but that's going to be a lot harder to do with something like Mass Effect 3 or like just the protections that exist now on games – have only become more stringent over time. So it's only going to get harder for hackers to get past them. doesn't mean people won't do it, but it does mean that the layperson might not know about all the hoops they have to jump through in order to download those games. Yeah. And they might not even realize it's possible. And it's basically just like adding another layer of inaccessibility to these games for lay people. And that makes me really sad. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I mean, this isn't set in stone yet. I mean, the, I don't think that the um, that the copyright office has made their final decision. This is just the EFF responding to the ESA's comments. So I don't think that there's been any decision made and they don't seem to have any call to action to, um, you know, write your congressman or write the copyright office or anything like that. But um, so it, I, I have all the faith in the world that the EFF is putting all their effort behind this. So hopefully, oh, yeah. hopefully they'll, you know, they'll bring enough awareness to this to... Uh, overwhelm the uh, the ESA's position, but it, it's sad that the ESA is being short sighted in this way. That you know, I mean, yes, w- could they lose some money to piracy if if some people had to modify consoles in order to get these modified games to work? I mean, sure, I guess, but I mean, those games that are on those systems, I mean, if, if, especially if you you know, if you had some sort of a middle ground where you could exclude current systems or something, I don't know, but. Any games that they're going to lose revenue from those systems, they're probably not making a ton of money off those those games anymore anyway. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I guess, which I guess is the same argument about, you know, Nintendo not releasing more stuff onto the virtual console. But um, but so it, it just seems like it's very short-sighted for whatever pennies that they're going to make, they're going to be, you know, destroying history in the process. And that's really, that's really sad. And it's really irresponsible, I would say. All right, cool. Well, yeah. So what a happy ending. So we can go on to another happy <laughs> ending, which is which is uh, why arcades died. So. <laughs> hmm, we didn't think this through. We didn't think this through at all. Do you want to do Maddie's column next? Let's, because that's yeah, a that's a really uh, that's no, it isn't. No, that's not isn't. a downer at all. <laughs> it is though because I wrote it and I'm the Daria of games journalism. All right. Well, so. why don't you why don't you talk about why don't you talk about your article that we've been trying to talk about on the show for a month and a half now? Well, I wrote this article about how I'm Daria and everybody should read it. And it's about how I was in high school and I didn't have any friends. The end. Okay. Wasn't that so happy? (laughs) I I have a blog that I put angry screeds that I don't think anybody will publish on. And it's at maddiemyers.net slash blog. If you want to read the stuff that I don't think I can sell. And, um, it's uh, it's usually pretty angry and sometimes kind of funny, uh, but there's one piece on there that that people seem to like a lot. Where I I talked about um, the the idea that a lot of men that I've met have, where they're like, if only I could meet a girl who plays video games, and they have this picture in their head of like what that girl would be like, and um, 
it's that picture is usually really different from the actual reality of what women who play games are like. Go, go ahead. Explain what the picture of what they think that their gamer girlfriend would be like. I think that they think their gamer girlfriend is going to be super hot, but she doesn't realize that she's hot. And you're going to be the only one who tells her how hot she is. And she's going to look just like Kristen Bell, but like with brown hair instead of blonde hair. And maybe she's got a really cute pair of glasses. And she is really good at games, but not quite as good as you are. And she can (laughs) almost beat you, but you always win. And she always needs your help but she's still willing to listen to you talk about every single game that you like to play and she never kicks you off the tv to play the game that she wants to play she always lets you have first dibs the list goes on so basically nothing like what a real relationship is like at least not in my experience where uh (laughs) sometimes people are better at games and sometimes people are worse at games and sometimes both people want to use the tv and it's not available and um sometimes people don't look like Kristen Bell in real life other than Kristen Bell who is blessed with many genetic gifts <laughs> she did win the genetic lottery she really, she really and did loves, and she loves ridiculous. slots she loves slots everybody look up the Kristen Bell sloth video if you feel like this episode is a downer it's like she's, the cutest she's video abs- ever she's actually as adorable in real life Yes, but so in true. in my world, most women are not professional actresses, <laughs> and they play video games in a more realistic way. And so, basically, I wrote this piece to be like, if you think that you want to date a girl who date, who likes games, you need to really think about whether that's what you really want, or if you're just fetishizing the idea of her playing video games and you're not actually seeing her as a person, which is like the same thing that I say all the time about how women are people and women are Wait, wait a second, human. Maddie. You have to say that again. What did you, I don't understand what you said. Yeah. I know. I know. I don't know how else to explain it. I keep trying to come up with synonyms. Wait, wait, the, wait. You three, are you trying to tell me that the three of you are people? I, I, I'm just finding this out now. Yeah, I know. I wait. know we seem like elaborately constructed cyborgs, but to <laughs> wait a second, play I'm a Street woman? Fighter. But actually, I think you are Georgia. As far Jesus, as I, no as far as you've me. told me, you are a woman. I don't know. If anyone on this podcast is a cyborg, it's Georgia. That's true. But she she could no still way. be a woman I could cyborg. totally compete for cyborg. We're all cyborgs. <laughs> totally We've gone over this. Steve is the only human on the show. <laughs> the rest of us are cyborgs. I'm really screwed when the robot uprising starts. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm ready. Hail our robot overlord pandas. So I guess, I mean, can I say a word or two about your piece? Because I I really love this piece. Um, I feel like... I feel like there's a real disconnect in in empathy and understanding of of what women geeks are like in in geek culture overall. And I the reason I loved your piece so much, Maddie, is I think I think you're right on. I mean, when we see kind of geeky women represented in in geek culture, um, like on television and movies, they're inevitably you know utterly gorgeous women and you know that's great like there are a lot of geeks that are utterly gorgeous women um but you know there are also a lot of 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 women geeks that are they're not you know um in fact i would say you know for me being a software engineer a lot of the women i know in my field and and really professionally respect you know i'm speaking very very generally here but i think that uh, some engineers um 
kind of define themselves as not being a super girly girl. It's just like kind of a, a common personality type here. It doesn't mean like you don't take pride in your appearance, but it it means like going, do you know what I mean? Like some of these things do, that yeah. you see the way that they are very fashion conscious um, or you know, very careful in the way that they dress or just flat out gorgeous. It's, it's just kind of unimportant to some geeky women, you know, because very frequently you're more interested in, in programming and doing all this other stuff. And I think there's this real double standard um, where yeah, there's this this common trope of like the the nerd that feels sorry for himself because like girls are so superficial and they won't like look past all this other stuff and see what a great guy he is. But you know they're not going out and like you know looking at the the geeky girl with you know kind of frumpy hair and yeah they don't seem to even notice those women <laughs> and, and and it's a double standard and yeah I, and I, also I, the yeah. other dark side of that I think is that when they see a woman who is attractive they just don't believe that she's a geek at all right because like they. Even though the only women who are portrayed as geeky in media are um, super hot, in real life, when guys see a girl who doesn't look frumpy enough, they're like, this can't be real. Because there is an assumption that if you know too much about eyeliner, then you must not be very good at games. And that's so weird because it's like... Guys are saying that they want their geeky women to be super hot, but they also want to continue to hate women a whole lot right. and hate <laughs> femininity a whole lot. And like the way that they square those conflicting feelings is to simultaneously be like, I want a gamer girlfriend who's really, really hot, but I also am super resentful of all the women I've ever known who rejected me. So I hate women. And like they cannot square those two sentiments. And the result is my inbox i guess because i (laughs) get like the most bonkers emails from guys about like this exact topic where people will be like you've only succeeded in everything because you're attractive and i'm like where were you like several years ago when i didn't know how to wash my hair and i had horrible acne and like like, okay yeah um and like they're also like oh you're not a real geek you're etc etc but then they'll also turn around and be like hitting on me and be like so do you want to like meet me and I'm like no I really don't <laughs> and and I think like th- that tension between like we want geeky women we want women to be involved in geek spaces and we want them to be super hot but also we're inherently suspicious of women especially hot women is like the problem with everything can can i say something about that the the way that so i do another podcast on relay with with, uh christina warren christina is breathtakingly gorgeous but it really something i've really grown to be aware of is um you have very attractive women in in tech are also discriminated against for the reasons she just delineated maddie i mean people don't take them seriously there's a washed up video mtv vj that was attacking christina warren like uh for an appearance she did a while back as if she had no idea what she was talking about it's crap like if you listen to rocket christina kicks my butt in her amount of technical knowledge like she's ridiculously competent and you know it's just it's unfair and you know i can tell you like when i meet women that are geeky like professionally socially all that like it's not complicated you just 
talk to someone like they're a person and their attractiveness just doesn't enter into the equation. Like, just treat people like people. And I think that's really the reason so many geeky women, like, sense a lot of hostility in this culture. Because I think all these jealous dynamics that you were talking about get into the equation, Maddie. Yeah. And I think also it's like impossible for guys who say that they want more geeky women around to not be talking about it in terms of how they want to go on a date. And like, that's the wrong way to be thinking yeah. about this. Yes. <laughs> and I just don't know how to communicate that other than to like write an angry screed about how your perfect gamer girlfriend just doesn't exist. And so that's what I did. <laughs> Georgia, do you find, I mean, you know, I think you're gorgeous. Yeah, Georgia, were you like super popular in school? And no, it super wasn't. Hot really? Growing neither. Up? But I mean, do you ever? <laughs> no, I, mean, ever, I wasn't. I, I always no, I ever, believe you. I believe you because I, I wasn't either. <laughs> no, I, I, I felt different. I think that there's another thing um, that happens, and and uh, I, I think one, I would like to have real women that are like of 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 a variety. I don't want to see. I'm so sick of seeing only beautiful women that are on TV and on films. I think that we should truly represent people as they are. And I think that there's a lot more um, videos out there that are representing women in general um, with diversity Um, and with scars and with issues and different weights and different sizes. Um, But I think that the other thing is that also women are really horrible at times to women, especially Mm -hmm. if they think that they're talented and beautiful. And we're almost and often, and I have this happen all the time, is that we're actually pitted against each other. So you know, two women are in the same field and then someone will be like, you know, oh, well, this person's coming after you or I like, you know, this person. Like we're we're actually almost compared against each other, which doesn't happen with men. And women can be unfortunately horrible to other women. And I think that yeah. we need to be better about that. We need to really grow a sisterhood. And someone else that's talented does not diminish your talent. And we need to um, support each other, have each other's back and not feed into um, someone saying, oh, well, you know, you know, this person is there or think that ourselves. And I think that we need to watch ourselves with that also. It it hurts so much when other women backstab you or attack you. Like it's, it's so brutal. I had that happen to me today and it's just, it's, it hurts you in a way that it just doesn't when, when guys do it. In fact, it hurts you so much that I think it perpetuates like us being horrible to each other because then you make up your mind that, oh, like, well, men are safer friendships to have. And that's a pattern yeah. I see with so many yeah. women. Yes, so, you're absolutely right. But I, I guess my question to you, Georgia, is, I mean, do you find, like, you are a Mac person of note within the Mac world. I, I mean, do you okay. find, I think you are. Uh, you were on Mac break weekly this week. I think that pretty much <laughs> yeah. makes you yeah. qualified. Georgia, you're like the only Mac person that matters yeah, in, in, my, in the com- competition of my heart. You've won. Oh. I realize that's <laughs> like you, exactly Maddie. what you told me right. not to do. And I just right. did it and whatever, you know, but I mean, <laughs> so I, I would be very interested to know your experiences here. I mean, do you find people hitting on you? Do you find people not taking you seriously? Do you find like you are a geeky woman this kind of in this field like what is what's your experience with this you know I I think that I think that often when when people see me they they expect that I won't know something and I think that um I, I'm the tech industry is not as bad unfortunately for the gaming industry as the gaming industry I don't go through as much as people that are gamers go through um and I'm lucky that I work at a website that is very pro-female um and mm-hmm. that there's more female than men 
Um, so I'm also lucky for that force. But when I go uh, to do a, a talk or we're doing a debate or we're, we're discussing something, yeah, I can feel right away that when I speak at first, like you have to, I have to earn it. It's not given to me, whereas with the men, it's given to them. They figure that they know. And I think that for some people, and I think it's changing, but that they're like, oh, I'm not so sure right away that I'm going to be able to, to, you know, take what she says um, as a real value, um, which is okay. It doesn't actually bother me. I've, I've always been like the only female in when I, when I do things. And I think that that's just a rite of passage. And I'm, I'm very proud to be able to um, walk that line and, and hopefully make it a little bit better for, for others. So it's not something horrific for me. I think that it's just part of the parcel of, you know, our time in culture and in history. So, and I'm, I'm not going through any horrible hardships such as you are, Brie, and, and you do, Maddie. You guys are going through, you know, just the gaming, you know, I get, like, some gaming creators come after. But it's very few. You guys really do take a, a larger brunt to that. Um, and, they're, you know, it's just the difference between the tech and the gaming. And it's shocking to me um, how horrifically diff- difficult and different it is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even even outside like the the harassment, I mean, just the having to prove that you know what you're talking about, yeah, yeah. or or yeah. you know, people scoping out your Steam library to see if you've played the games that you say you've played, or, and I mean that you know stuff that just never happens to someone like me, right? That you know, and that I've I've noticed, you know, especially over the course of doing this show, I you know noticed that a lot, like having and, and you know not just the three of you, but you know any other women that that are you know in this in this circle, like Mm -hmm. that having to constantly prove that they know what they're talking about and having to, you know, constantly defend quote unquote cred and, and stuff like that, that somebody who, you know, happens to look like me doesn't ever have to do. Right. I think, you know, I think it, it affects my happiness in a lot of ways. I find, um, something, yeah, Maddie, this is where we're going to get real on the show. Like Maddie and I had a, a really big discussion like over uh going to iowa she was reflecting about how being my friend for a long time like she saw gamergate was affecting me it was talking about how unhappy i seemed lately you know i've really been reflecting on that and thinking about i i feel like i sometimes put on this armor this kind of uh, do you know what i mean like if you're kind of on the aggressive all the time like right people you're always on, you're always having to be on the offense because you're constantly being attacked well, mm-hmm. I mean, how could I not be? I mean, right. you know, someone sent me a picture, like I was talking about having a puppy. Like someone sent me pictures of dogs in cages set on fire and tweeted that to oh me last God. night. And I was up all night with like that horrible image in my mind. Like, how can that not affect you at a certain point? Like I had I had someone tell me that they were going to meet me outside my house with the drill today. And I was going to know what it felt to have a bore going into my brain. I mean, that, that has to affect you. But... I, I find that like I, I find that like it's easier to kind of take on this this tough girl persona, you know, this kind of prickly and punchy. And it's it's a good way to survive, but I it's 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 even tougher to be vulnerable. I feel, and that's that's hard to do. Yeah, it makes it harder to appreciate the moments in your life that are good. I mean, that's what we were talking about is like how if you try to become really tough and like I've definitely done this before, it makes it harder to, to trust people and let them in and actually like enjoy the good things about your life and your work. And I, I don't know. I mean, that's therapy doesn't work for everybody, but I mean, it worked for me and like, you know, drugs and stuff like, 
you know, do what your therapist says. And <laughs> Dr. Maddie says, <laughs> um, do what your therapist says. But, I, you know, whatever path, it, if you're a listener right now and you're like thinking about it, you know, just try something if you feel like you're getting numb and shut off from the world. We talk about this stuff sometimes, but um, I know we have a lot of listeners who are in the industry, too, and also go through the same stuff that Bree and I go through and just know that <laughs> I advocate self-care and yeah. Bree, I think you do too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't mind saying I started therapy again this week and uh, I think it was probably long past two with Gamergate. <laughs> so why don't we move mm-hmm. on? Why don't we move on and talk about arcades? Let's talk about arcades yeah. and why they're not why they're not around anymore. <laughs> I think there's a happier message it's to take our from first, this. Our yeah. first show on Relay and it's only happy subjects. I'm more than happy to yell about that Lego game if you want me to, but No. <laughs> I just want to talk about how much I miss arcades. Yeah. And talk about arcade memories. The, we'll and we'll make it we'll make it happy talking about I, talking about I that. think there's a lot of positive to take from there this. Is. Yeah, but go ahead and introduce it. Yeah, so there was this really great article on Gama Sutra this week about what what happened to arcades. And there from somebody who who manufactures arcade games and talking about all of the different things that can go wrong with an arcade game and, and all the different additional challenges that there are to manufacture an arcade game versus something that you're going to put on a console or or put on Steam. Talking about the way that – the fact that there's no way to patch these things, obviously, once they're, they're in place. And apparently what's a common practice in arcade uh, – in the arcade game industry is that they do what's called a location test where the – the customer more or less just borrows the game for some amount of time and sees how it performs. And then if it, if it does well, then they'll, then they'll purchase it. And if it doesn't do well, then they just send it back. And the, uh, the game manufacturer is just stuck with it. Um, and also talking about, you know, how much more nerve wracking trade shows are than for an arcade game than for like, say someone who's, uh, demoing a, a console game or, or a downloadable game at something like PAX because there are so many more eyes on it and everybody who's at the trade show is somebody who's going to be buying a, a large number of these machines and if there's any sort of a bug or anything like that or anything goes wrong because the refrigeration isn't isn't the right temperature or any sort of a an unpredictable um, an unpredictable occurrence that they end up just not buying it and that kills the game after putting sinking all that money into it. And also the fact that people aren't willing to spend more than 50 cents a game, which has been the cost since like 1990, I would say, you know, and it's it's sad because I mean, I think all of us probably have a lot of really great memories of spending time in arcades when we were when we were kids. And, you know, that's something that unless we drive up to like Fun Spot in New Hampshire or something like that. Love. That we have to do we have to do a show at Fun Spot. We, we have we to do, that. do it. We, we need should. to do that. I'll go. This summer we need to do that. I'll do. I'm, I'm, I'm in. Going. I'm in. I'm I already in. have. I already have my dates. I'll be going. Can, cool. can I be serious? I'm totally going to set I'm that I'm up. Totally, I'm totally. I'm not a little bit serious. Great. I would love <laughs> to do that. Land. I would absolutely. I've been. I've been trying to take the girls up there for years, and really? I would love to do that. Okay. Can I tell you, uh, Airbnb has some really great places you can rent for nothing, nothing near Fun Spot because it's in the middle of nowhere, and you yeah. like go up there. <laughs> I bring my for, RV. Like, I bring my RV. Like, you have an RV? In, yeah. Are you for real? Of course, she has an RV. Oh, yeah. I mean, does anything about Georgia surprise you at this point? Yeah, yeah. I got my little RV. Georgia has like cabinets and stuff. We could just go to Georgia's house, right? Yeah. Doesn't she have Let's Street do Fighter? It. Yeah, I like have. the cabinet. I have the cabinet. 
Yeah. But we don't then even it would be so much fun <laughs> for all of us to play all the retro games and all the non-retro games together and then do like a show. All four right of there. us playing X-Men at the same time. Oh, my oh, God. X-Men. Don't get me excited. Yeah, there's this great shot of Anita that was taken up at uh, Fun Spot. <laughs> we should like also do like pictures of all of us from there. That would be so great. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, that would be awesome. Okay. I would love to do that. So, yeah, um, I mean, this this article talks about a lot of things that are wrong or rather the decline of it. But I, I have to say, um, you're reading this person's background. Um, you know, I think it's telling that they list their MBA first as far as their qualifications to write this. And I have to say, like, I, I feel like I, t- I took a little bit of a different thing from it. So these were the standouts to me as far as, like, figuring out why arcades aren't doing that super well. Um, so I have to note that, like, they say that arcade games cost about 10 to 12K. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just seems to me that, that that cost is probably a little bit high. Something as a developer, when I'm looking at modern arcade games, um, I see much lower development costs than I did um, you know, 20 years ago. Like something like, relatively speaking, something like Revolution X uh, cost a lot more money to develop than something like um, Transformers Human Alliance, which is an arcade game that I think is, is really exceptional. Um, Often they are um, kind of recycling content from larger games. Uh, they recycle levels and, and aspects. And to be honest, like arcade cabinets don't seem to have really cutting edge hardware. Uh, anymore. Like even something like Transformers Human Alliance, which is a brand new arcade game, uh, like you could recreate this very easily on a PS2. Um, so it, it just seems like all around, like the it seems like the, the the cost of developing the software is lower than it used to be. It seems to me like the construction of the cabinet, like maybe that's a bit of a fixed cost, but I, I think you could get that to be lower. Um, I don't know. I, I see a lot of the problems that he's talking about. It seems it seems fixable, like by like you know, doing it in a different way. I also think there's a, a real one of the, the trends that disturbs me most in modern arcades is they seem to be taking iPhone games and iOS games and hooking them up to these bad resistive touchscreens oh. and throwing them in the arcade. Like, yeah, um, wasn't there a Flappy Bird arcade game at one point? There's that. There's Doodle Jump. There's oh. um, there's Temple run i saw at um, disney a while back so you know i think one of the big problems is they're not trying to really give you bigger experiences anymore um you, you see some games that they're developing um like there's this um really awesome star wars game that um i'm gonna surprise frank by just driving him to an arcade game and not tell him about it and then just like hand him 20 dollars of quarters so what it is is it's like this this wraparound dome all around you that makes you feel like you're in an X-Wing or a TIE fighter. And it has like vents blowing at you and the seat rumbles and it's like completely immersive. Like it fills your entire vision. And that's a really innovative experience. And I, I feel like we're just not willing to do that anymore. You know, I mean, something that I've been thinking about and I kind of started writing a blog post and then it never went anywhere, but I'm wondering if, when VR really becomes a thing, if that's mm-hmm. going to be the kind of thing that's going to bring arcades back for a little while, yeah, oh. because I'm I'm looking yes. at something like the like the the Steam VR right, which they I look at the specs of that 
it looks like it's going to be extremely expensive to start with. Like not just both from the hardware perspective and also from the, the gaming rig that you're going to need to run the thing. And I wonder if, I mean, you're never, you're, if you don't have enough people buying the hardware or enough people who can afford the hardware, you're not going to get enough people developing the games and it's just going to end up, you know, a chicken and the egg problem. But I wonder if there might be some people who are going to start buying some of those rigs and turn them into an arcade. Like I'm remembering, I don't know, Maddie, you may remember this. You were, you were in Boston in the nineties, right? <laughs> yeah, but I was a child. <laughs> no, you were a child, but do you, do you remember Cybersmith in Harvard Square? I don't. I I went to Wallex, which was an arcade oh, I near the where Wallex. I lived as a kid. Yeah. There there was a a place in Harvard Square called and I still remember this cuz this was like the first trip that I came up here looking at colleges. I went to it and I was blown away. It was like it was like an internet cafe, mm-hmm. but down in the front they had that skiing game that they had in every arcade. Uh-huh. And then they had two <laughs> of the um two of the like the old style VR rigs in one of those games with like the pterodactyl, dactyl nightmare or whatever it was that was the game in like 1996 that that they had. And they had those two like right out front and you could buy time on it. And I'm thinking back to that and I'm wondering if maybe that's the kind of thing that would kind of bring arcades back by being able to buy time on that. Because everything I've heard about VR is that it's fantastic if you experience it, but until you experience it, you really don't know. And that's kind of a hard thing to sell to mm-hmm. people. But maybe if there's, you know, until the prices come down for those that first batch, maybe that's a way to get VR into the hands of more people. Steve, I have to get kind of dark for you, okay. <laughs> like on you for a second. But that that can't happen because you can't. I, I'm, I'm sorry. Like you cannot ask women to like cut off all their visual senses in a public space, especially in an arcade. I mean, that is a, a nightmare. Way that was to a, that was a very yeah. male privileged statement that I just went yeah. on. I suppose. <laughs> uh, well, I'm just saying. Like, I wouldn't. I mean, would you guys feel safe doing that? I would. I probably uh, would. I'll be. I'll, I probably would do it. Uh, but we are a biased sample group. I, I think, think. That one, it's a biased sample, and two, I, I would do it if my husband were were there with me. Do you know what I mean? So, right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Or if I, I agree with that friends. statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, that would be the kind of thing you would go to with friends. In like, general could too. only one? Like, you know, was is the a hollow deck? Is it like kind of cordoned off so no one's going to go up and and be able to grope me while I'm there? Or is it somewhere right. where there's like people jostling really close to where I am? Yeah. So I think that it would depend on the manner in which they do it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And it, and it would, there's there's probably a lot of different things that go with that. I think that uh, in the beginning, I think that Nintendo killed arcades straightforward um it's just we could do things at home and it was easier and we are just natural people are naturally lazy if we don't have to leave the home to do something we're probably not going to and it was an area where we could socialize and be with other people now there's so many other options for that people play games online with groups of people and they don't have to leave the home and so the arcades have to be something more to offer and so steve i think that your point is a good point i think that Having something that we can't get at home that is going to be a social setting, it's a way to meet people, it has to be better to get us to go through the rigmarole of making it to an arcade. I I think that arcades do several experiences better than online. And Maddie, you can back me up here. Like, 
Street Fighter and fighting games are a yeah. billion times better at an arcade. It's it's ridiculously better. Well, that's like the only reason why any arcade still exists is because there are still fighting game scenes that use arcades as places to practice. And Do you think so? Yeah. And like there are, I mean, there are fight nights in Boston that I don't go to anymore because I've gotten into too many fights at them. <laughs> but, but there are sort of like miniature pop-up arcades that people make where they just bring a bunch of monitors and like an Xbox or two and just like ha- tell everybody bring their fight sticks and be like, we're going to be at this place at this particular time. Like, like, you know, <laughs> like fight club or something, except with fighting <laughs> games. Um, there's definitely events like that because since arcades don't exist anymore, people just come up with alternatives. But, um, yeah, I mean like the fighting game community isn't enough to keep arcades alive and, I mean, I don't know if you're going on about to go on a tangent, Bree. I don't want to interrupt you if you were. No, no, no. Go ahead. Um, the thing that I was thinking about when in response to George's point just now is actually like the concept of stranger danger, which is something that uh, became more of a cultural phenomenon after I was a kid. So like I was sort of part of the last generation that my parents would just drop me off mm-hmm. somewhere and not worry about me for many right. hours. And like <laughs> when I was a child, I walked to elementary school completely alone. Like <gasps> when I was really, really right. young. And these days my parents would have had the cops called on them if I did that. But like back then it was no big deal. And like, I would just walk to my friend's house and see them. And then we would go outside and like our parents wouldn't know where we were for hours. And that wasn't weird. There were no cell phones either. No cell phones, no big deal. And like, and the funniest part is that our as a cult, we're actually safer now than we were. Then. I know that's the thing. I can't. I know that a lot of people think, oh, like that's really sad that we've lost that. But the problem is that you can look at crime statistics and be like, oh, child abuse and abduction has gone way down. Maybe we shouldn't have just let our children wander around for hours. <laughs> or, or maybe with- we. It's the other way around where. It's, we're probably way too overprotective and our kids yeah, aren't Yeah, like it's possible that, that we've to gone too far. But my point is like, I, I think that the way that you navigate that is by maybe having the arcade experience not be for kids per se, but maybe be for like high schoolers. And um, I really enjoyed arcades a lot like as a kid, but I also enjoyed them in high school and college. And that was when they were starting to disappear. And like at that age, especially when I couldn't drink yet, And so I couldn't go to bars or concerts that I wanted to go to. And so I needed something to do. Arcades were like the only thing there was to do at that awkward age. And I I guess I'm like, I think kids these days are really lonely. Like I've read a lot of articles about like, the generation after mine being the loneliest generation because they all just stay inside and they're on Tumblr. And like, from what I've seen of Tumblr, that seems to be true. (laughs) (laughs) I just feel really sorry for them because I'm like, I had, you know, these experiences at arcades, like playing Street Fighter with people I didn't know. And like, those were like, obviously formative experiences that were negative in some ways, but like positive in other ways, because they made me the person that I am now. And I, I just think it's kind of sad that that is lost. And like, even though I don't necessarily want elementary school students to be wandering around by themselves, I I think high school students can probably handle it. So I'm sad for them, at least. Maddie, judging the generation younger than you. I'm like, not judging them. I want to. I want to save them. I want to save them, which is even yeah. more condescending, right? Uh. Like, <laughs> they all think I'm deeply uncool. <laughs> Teens, <laughs> I'm worried about you, and I want you to play Street Fighter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I. I think. I. I do think. I. I think part of the beauty of arcades, though, um, you know, is someone that really loves 
good game design. I often love going to an arcade and marveling at the way it teaches you the rules so intuitively, because an arcade game has to be designed in a way that anyone can pick it up and understand it. And I think, like, I'm, I don't think it's so much that arcades are designed for children in mind, per se, but I think they're designed to be the most accessible kind of game that you can have, period. Um, I, I, I just, I feel like there are a few things arcades do better than anything else. I think, like, music games, um, like Dance Dance Revolution, the Pump It Up Extreme. dance and rhythm yeah. games I ever played were at arcades. Yeah. yeah, and that's just a better experience. Like Guitar Hero in an arcade, the controller is ridiculously heavy, but it's it's still a really good experience. And you so. can perform for a crowd of people who don't know you, too. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah. There was this whole culture of like DDR tricks with the bar where you would like flip around the bar and stuff. Yep. And yeah. all of that is gone now. Yep. Oh, the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's hope for arcade. I, I really do. Um, I just, I think that, I think getting the cost per unit down is is what you need to do. And I think it's, I don't know, I think it's thinking about more social experiences. And I don't think that, you know, trying to, you know, pick up these iPhone designs. I mean, it's a, it's cool to get, I, I think it shows the shift in properties that have the the consciousness of the public that doodle jump is like what they're making arcade games out of nowadays but you know the biggest problem to me isn't like judging ios game design it's that they use resistive touchscreens because a capacitive touchscreen is just not going to work with the mass public and it's a, a flat out drastically inferior experience i mean remember how bad touchscreen devices were before the iphone i mean it's, yeah. it's just terrible and it's it's bad detection like fruit ninja is just terrible in the arcade. So, I don't know. I think um, I think there's a way to solve the problem. I just don't think we're there yet. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll end this on a happy note because mm-hmm. I think that there is hope because pinball was nearly dead at in like around 2000, 2001 when I, forget, I think it was Williams stopped making pinball games. Mm-hmm. And there's been a resurgence of pinball over the last couple of years. And, yeah. and there have been companies that, that care about pinball that have been starting to make new pinball games and really exciting pinball games. So I think that, you know, arcade games are a few years behind, and I think there will eventually be some people who care about making arcade games that will will figure something out. I think that they'll have something, but I don't think... It's never going to be like it was before, though. It's just not going to be... But we can have the hipster, ironic reclamation of arcade culture that will eventually become earnest, right? Isn't that what you're saying? Like, everybody ironically starts going to arcades, and then they're like, this is actually fun. That's what kids today do. (laughs) If we have to embrace the hipsters to get there, then so be it. That's fine. (laughs) I'm fine with that. I think also the space, the space that an arcade machine takes up and how expensive real estate is, um, you know, the amount of maintenance. I think that there's a lot of different things that are going to have to change in order to make it, you know, more economical to run an arcade. They're huge. I have one arcade in my downstairs. It's like, it's mammoth. It just takes up a ton of space. So... I think that they have to also work on differences in interface than than what we were used to beforehand. You know, um, one of the reasons Capcom was able to be so successful in the 90s is the CPS-2 board and the CPS-3 board, which kind of recycled a lot of the components and had, like, the same hardware to kind of make the the swapping out of, of, of hardware and parts and buttons. It, it kept it all universal. And I, I think that was a really good design. When I look at modern arcade cabinets, like Doodle Jump is a fun 
fundamentally different cabinet than human, you know, Transformers, Human Alliance. And I don't know. I think you're really right there. I think there are a lot of problems to solve. Yeah, and uh, the uh, a lot of the arcade games in like nine, late '90s, early 2000s shared the same chip as the Dreamcast, so it was easy for them to be able to develop both for a home console and for really? arcade games at the same time. Yeah, I didn't like, know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that a lot. I you know we'll have to fact check it. Maybe somebody in the chat room can look this up, but I'm pretty sure that that's why you saw a lot of arcade conversions in the Dreamcast era because they were running huh. very similar hardware. That's interesting. Yeah, we should talk about what we're playing. This yeah, week. we should. So, so Georgia, what, Georgia, what are you playing this week? Oh, I was hoping you weren't going to start with me. Really, um, I've, I've, I, I got back from Ireland on Saturday. Um, so I've, I've been deathly ill and unconscious for most of the time, um, oh. and um, I haven't played anything. Okay, <gasps> I'm sorry. You poor thing. I feel really sorry for you, Georgia, but I'm Don't glad you're still laugh. doing the show. Yes. Yeah. Don't make yeah, me laugh with the coughing again. <laughs> no, I'm after. being serious. I, I really appreciate that you're on the show, even though you're sacrificing precious voice voice points or whatever. Voice points, I don't yeah. Know. You can voice laugh points. at me tomorrow. <laughs> Georgia, uh, voice HP low. Yeah, you're you're losing <laughs> HP by being I know, I'm at like 10% now. <laughs> we'll get you a healing potion. Well, I guess they wouldn't give you one at the pharmacy. Right. Yeah. What is up with that? We need to give them I an angry know. letter. I'm like, get yeah. me something. They, we should have prank called the pharmacy on this show and, and tried to get drugs. <laughs> that would that would have ended well. Can, yeah. can I tell our listeners about that? By the way, <laughs> yeah. I tried so hard, um, so hard. I lobbied all week to try to get. So I wanted to make our fiftieth episode awesome. So what I wanted to do was to call. I wanted to prank call Renee Ritchie of iMore, and I wanted to. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to tell him Georgia was in jail. And we needed him to go bail Georgia out of jail. Which one of them? Like, I tried to discuss it with Georgia, and she's like, well, what am I going to jail for? And I'm like, I don't know. You're, you're drunk in public. She's like, oh, but Renee knows I don't drink. I'm like, fine, that's meth. And she's like, Brie, I could lose my license if people think I'm doing meth. And I'm like, fine, so your husband is the one doing meth. And no, no crime is, is good enough to prank call Renee Ritchie with for Georgia. And then I was like, fine, I'm going to go roll Steve's house. It's yeah. going to be 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm going to go roll Steve's house and take pictures of it. That's what you're doing right now, nice though, isn't it? I, I if your plane be hadn't it. been delayed, then I assume you would have done that. I, I, I very well could. The have. tornado would have been in my front yard instead of in Chicago. <laughs> she right. wasn't. She was. Her plane wasn't delayed. She was actually toilet papering Steve's house. Well, also, you know, my elbow still hurts from body slamming that bloody stuffy. <laughs> Are you I serious? Broke a piece. I really do. You might want to like get physical therapy or something. Yeah. No, they don't do anything for a broken weeks. elbow. They they <laughs> laugh at you and send you home. I don't think that's true. Yeah, it's just well, a crack on the edge. I thought Canada had like had like awesome health care. What is going on here? Yeah, they won't give you drugs for your throat, and now they apparently laugh you out of the office for bone breaking. Well, it's, it's but, I think the tip of my elbow. It's not like okay. Yeah. I still think you should see a doctor. Uh. <laughs> Georgia's too tough to go to a doctor. Okay, another fact for my Georgia inexplicable georgia basket your dossier yeah i don't someday i'm gonna understand georgia but today is not that day <laughs> uh so oh so brie what are you playing this week maddie myers i have a real bone to pick with you <laughs> um 
you cost me all day Saturday. What? Because Final Fantasy Type Zero is so unbelievably ridiculously addicting. Oh. <laughs> I thought you didn't even like it. You sent me some pretty sad texts about it I being played like. It, I played it at first and I just didn't groove on it at mm-hmm, all. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, then I'm like, okay, well, you know, I paid for this. I need to, to give it a fair shot. And I stuck with it. And, you know, once you get to the, you know, academia. Um, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you get there, you get this really cool training place you can go and just fight endless enemies. And that's when I kind of really got into this game because, you know, you have 12 characters, um, about six of them are decent and like figuring out how to fight with each of them effectively and then like level up and get AP and unlock abilities is actually a lot of fun. Um, and it's got that, that addictive, like final fantasy thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I love that yeah. no, yeah, oh. like you're trying to get like the next ability and you're like, it's the final fantasy buzz it's the yeah mm-hmm. the final mm-hmm. fantasy buzz final yeah. fantasy buzz i i do have to say the characters are poor um the fact that it is a um uh it's it's like an upscaled psp game really really shows like the poly count is low and the materials are bad and you know the animation is just flat out terrible mm-hmm. i mean you know like it's it's literally people sitting there and staring forward yeah and yeah just... yeah i think i said that at the time but like i just found the combat so fun that i was willing to forgive a lot of that stuff yeah no that's how i feel too um it's a it's a good game it's it's one of my favorite games i've played this year um wow. i i've played a bunch of other stuff um i'm working still working my way through Persona Q. Um, I finished Mega Man 5 and 6 on the plane. I've been playing a lot of uh, Final Fantasy uh, Record Keeper, which is, it's a solid game. It's not the best Final Fantasy game ever, but it's it's a good effort for that. Um, I gotta tell you, because I started playing that game too, and without the nostalgia, that game is not a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, I, I guess it's but it is a loving take on the IP and the way it's designed shows it's not that the game is great. It's that the, the love of the final fantasy series really bleeds through it. And you know, that's, that's awesome. I, to me, the problem is um, that I have with that game is what I've come to have with a lot of mobile game design that ultimately you're just leveling up on a treadmill forever and the problem is like for something like a a real final fantasy game there's a story payoff with that so if i go on this level treadmill and do it for a while like there's a payoff like i'm gonna have a a narrative end to it i'm gonna beat the final boss the problem with a lot of ios game design like tiny tower or you know final fantasy record keeper or any number of games it's like there's a certain part of the human mind that enjoys leveling up endlessly, um, but there's no narrative payoff at the end. So ultimately, you're just like paying money to unlock IAP to level faster to get nowhere. And it's just it it it's it's a game type that I've kind of learned to just not invest money in anymore. Like I've been tricked to it too many times. So. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of. You remember a few years ago? Well, you you guys don't spend a lot of time in offices, but. There was a, a trend a few years ago in the workplace for gamification of the workplace. Oh, uh, I remember this. Yeah, and so where where you would get like points and you would level up in your your work intranet and stuff like that, and it just 
it was like the worst, the worst thing ever because people in HR departments thought that that was that they got what they got confused was that the leveling up was the goal and they missed the part that the leveling up is what allows you to go do the next thing and and progress in the game that leveling up is not the goal of the game of its own but i'm glad that trend died yeah that was a weird period of time yeah a lot of people listening to this probably have never even heard the word gamification and i'm jealous of those people because there was a really weird period of time when that was something that everybody was arguing about like six years ago I, I had to choke back some vomit as I sp- as I spoke the word. I'll, I'll admit. But and yeah, now, was... when I say it, people are probably like, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, making something more like a game—that's fine." And it's like, no, 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 no. That word used to connote like corporate training programs that wildly misunderstood video games, and we all had to put up with it for a little while. Um, my office didn't, but uh, I was still working at the Phoenix back then, and my boss at the Phoenix was like, "Do you want to do a story about how terrible this is?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I really do," but I couldn't get anybody to talk to me on the record about it because no office wanted to admit like how poorly their program was going but that was a story i was supposed to do way back when good times uh so anything anything else you were playing brie or uh i could name a few other minor games uh i do want to say one thing i freaking love deus ex human revolution um and i'm really really excited about the title that they they announced um you know this week uh man i have a lot of questions to say about it like technically and um i i have a lot of thoughts on it but um i'm really really happy to see them doing that square enix is doing i i I see them doing just some of the best work in the field right now. I mean, in between Deus Ex and Tomb Raider, I, I think they're delivering a quality that like Ubisoft is just not right now. And I just I love seeing Square at the top of their game. And Life is Strange too. Mm-hmm. Life is Strange, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they're one of the good ones right now. Yeah. They're they're doing good work over there. So uh, so Maddie, what are you playing this week? Okay, so I I have a. Gaming tale of irritation to tell you all today, oh, and I love I'm sorry. I'm Wait, sorry. I'm getting popcorn. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so I, I'm trying to get caught up on my gaming backlog. Still, uh, I have to review Mortal Kombat soon, but until it arrives, I I still have time to play games that I that I've been putting off. And now I'm all the way up to Sherlock Holmes: Crimes and Punishments, which I bought like many many months ago and never got to play. And now I'm finally playing it. And I installed it, and I was like, Yeah, Sherlock Holmes, this is gonna be the best game ever. I love Sherlock Holmes. Well, it wasn't because I played the entire first case that you do, mm-hmm. and I played it for like two hours into the case and it's it takes more than that to beat the the first case and i i've only played the first case so far it's long that's fine that's great that's not my problem with it i i'm happy to play sherlock Holmes forever however i had to interrogate my first suspect and i had to look at his belongings and this was already after i'd been playing the game for at least an hour and a half possibly two hours and no matter how many times I looked at his belongings, it would not let me talk to him about Ugh. his freaking belongings. Oh. I tried reloading it. I tried looking at the belongings oh 600 times. Horrible. And then I like wanted 
to kill someone, and right. then I restarted my whole freaking game. No. Oh, no. no. Oh, I did it. I did no. it, everybody. <laughs> I did it, oh, and I skipped all the dialogue the second time, and I found out that there's some dialogue that it won't let you skip. Don't know why, but it won't. Sometimes you can't skip it. I don't know. Thanks, Sherlock Holmes. Thanks. And I got all the way up to that scene, and then I realized that it actually hadn't been a glitch. It was just that I wasn't clicking on the item from the right angle. Oh, my God. So I replayed the entire game for nothing, and oh, I just no. needed to click on it the right way and like click on it a specific three times. That, that's bad game design. I might, yeah. I might like hunt down these developers and like have a very stern discussion with them in an interrogation room Sherlock Holmes style because I'm so angry at them right now. And I no, Steve, I'm not done. No, Hold go on ahead. A go ahead. I have a point of clarification, but I'll wait for you to oh, finish. Oh, go okay. ahead. Okay, I thought you were gonna like actually. You can ask me a question. What's up? I, I just want to know how long <laughs> it took for the fire to die down after you set your your PC on fire after that. A really long time. I was really mad. I just sat there for like five minutes seething when I realized that all I had to do was like click. Okay, I'm going to tell everybody what the item is in case anybody wants to play this game because I can't be the only person who messed this up. Except I probably am because I googled it and I couldn't find anybody else who did. But whatever. I'll tell everybody anyway. Um, there's this ring and um, you can read the inscription on the ring but you also need to click on the inscription not just once, but three separate times in order for it to register that you've read it. Because Sherlock reads the first third of the inscription, and then the second third of the inscription, and then the third third of the inscription. And then he's read all of it, and you have to click on all three parts of it in order for him to read it. And it's not indicated in any way. And I don't know why they designed the game that way. And the entire game is like this. Like, like you have to click on everything multiple times in order for Sherlock to be like, got it, that's a clue. And like, he has detective mode, like kind of like Batman, which is cool, except that you only use the detective mode for really specific clues and it makes no freaking sense like you don't need the detective mode because there are tons of other clues in the game that you don't need detective mode in order to click on and that's not established as to why and like at one point Sherlock is like let me investigate this door and you click on the door and then you click on it two more times in order to investigate one part of the door and then you've got it I don't even know how to explain to you guys how frustrating this was I I really, really, really wanted to love this game. It looks so beautiful. Like, you interrogate people and, like, they look... Like, you can see the pores on their skin and, like, how nervous they are. And, like, the animation is really cool and the dialogue is cool and I like the writing. And I'm such a Sherlock Holmes fan. And there's so much for Sherlock Holmes fans in this game. Like, it's, like, all part of the story and it seems really close to the canon and that part of it I want to love but the gameplay is frustrating me so much that I don't know if I'm going to be able to beat it because I'm just so freaking angry okay great I'm done that sounds terrible done. life's too short Maddie <laughs> it sounds to me like like sometimes when people develop a game they really don't understand what is intuitive in the manner in which people want to interact with a game like they haven't done their research that's why, like, play play testing. Testing. that's yeah. why you have play testing. That's why you have whole departments. I, I, oh. they, they skip through it, and it's sad. It's like when if it's a bad game, it's not that big of a deal because it's just a bad game, anyways, and you wouldn't like it even if they spent the time to it. But when it's a good game that has a lot yeah. of potential, and then they like, have this some is fixable. annoying, yeah, some annoying feature that they haven't decided that we're gonna go in, clean up, find a better way to do it, it can just wreck a game, and, and that's why it's so sad. 
Can can I say something about that? Because I think this is like we were talking about Bloodborne last week, and like this kind of elitism in in gaming culture that exists. That also exists on the developer side, and I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had with professional developers in this field that you know they'll, they'll be like having playtesting problems with the game, and and like the users aren't finding it very accessible. But Bree. But Bree, if you were a real gamer, you would understand. Right. You've just got to get it. And it's like, no, you, oh, it's just so crazy. That arrogant attitude. You just, you can't have it. And it's, you've got to fix those problems. It's why when you're developing a game, I, I'm telling you, it is the stuff that is so obvious to normal people. If you're developing it, you just don't see it. And it's like it's like today I spent all day like working on Holiday's textures. Yeah, I'm thinking so hard about these individual parts of her body that like I zoomed out and looked at it later. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I'd made like this terrible mistake with color scheme because I was so focused on like these individual elements. And like this you've got to have playtesting. And I'm sorry that they failed you on playtesting, Maddie. I'm just so disappointed that I'll probably still end up playing all of it anyway <sighs> because I already bought it and I love Sherlock Holmes and I really like they already have my money. Like I bought it on Steam, so I can't return it. I may as well. Isn't your time worth more than that? Yeah. Why play I a know. bad game? I, I don't know. I know. My, I know like, my right. time is so I was much just more so excited there, about this game. That's the sunk cost fallacy is what that is. Yeah. Know, oh, but, look at that. Steve throwing it out. Nice. Hey. I know. Nice. I, I, I was just things. like super disappointed because this is like exactly the kind of game that I normally like because it's got this mystery solving element that reminds me of Murdered Soul Suspect, which we've talked about on the show. I really liked the, mur- the murder mystery part of that game. And there are parts of this game that remind me of that game in a good way. I just don't know if those parts of the game are going to be enough to to carry me through the really clunky parts. And I don't know. I'm just really frustrated. I think it's actually more frustrating to play a game that's almost good Mm. because it's like I can see what they were trying to do and they're so close. And then I'm just so angry at them for messing it up. Right. Anyway. This is the winner of Maddie Myers' discontent. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh my gosh okay that's the title steve what are you playing all right so uh i am going into this knowing full well that you guys may disagree with me and i don't care oh i love that steve go steve i i have been playing the living hell out of axiom verge this week and i am in love with this game it's a good game yeah it wait, is, wait! Everybody loves this game. Why do you? No, because I, I know I. It feels I like whenever, whenever it, I so. love a game like this that everybody loves, it's you guys. Something happens, and <laughs> <laughs> and and it's like okay, but what about this? And then I, I'm like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I don't, and this time I don't care because I'm loving this game so much. So um, this is the 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 game that came out last week. Uh, it's a Metroidvania. This is the first time that I'm playing a Metroidvania like from scratch without the benefit of like a walkthrough or anything like that, Hmm. which is a really interesting experience. Cause I mean, it's really hard to play like Metroid or super Metroid or, or symphony of the night now and not just, you know, the walkthroughs are all there. And I think I got stuck early on, or I thought I was doing something wrong that I, that I shouldn't have been doing. And I started to look for help and there wasn't really any. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm a reasonably intelligent human. I can probably figure this out. And I've been playing it that way, and I've actually gotten fairly far on my own, and I'm really feeling really good about that. Oh. So, and, and you know, this is the kind of game that I would have gotten frustrated with a lot before I was getting treated for ADD. 
Because hmm. uh, this is the kind of thing where you're really looking for, you know, you're looking for clues in the environment and you're, uh, you know, you're looking, you're, you're backtracking, which can be kind of tedious. And this is, that's one of the reasons that I rage quit Metroid Prime. And I don't think I've ever finished any of the Metroid games now that really? I'm thinking about it. Wow. Yeah. You never finished Super Metroid? I don't think I've ever finished Super Metroid now. Wow. I, I need to, I have it on the Wii U and I need to rectify it after I'm done with this. Yeah. Like my favorite game. It starts out really slow, and then after the first two hours, you get this this weapon called the address uh, what the, the address disruptor. And so what happens is that there are all these little areas in the game that are like you remember in like the NES when you would put in a, a cartridge that wasn't quite clean, and like mm-hmm. some of the tiles would start glitching out. Mm-hmm. So there are areas in the game that are deliberately like that and then they'll kind of glitch out on you and you can use this weapon on them to make them disappear or make them turn into platforms that weren't there before or you can use it on the enemies and it makes the enemies behave differently oh neat so like some of the enemies will get easier to hit some of them will slow down some of them will become invulnerable some of them will start attacking other enemies and start like breaking walls for you um so it's also kind of like which learning all the enemies and learning what you need to do to them to pass them. Um, and a lot of the, I mean, the story is kind of, it's kind of basic and I don't really know what's going on and I don't really care, but I'm really loving like the, the exploration aspect of it. And um, you, you can only play as a guy, but there is a Justin Bailey code to make the guy run around in a leotard. I don't know if that makes me feel better. I, I don't know. I'm using that now. It's kind of <gasps> silly, Okay, but I, I am, like, I was kind of worried because I didn't know how I was going to do with a game like this, but I have been, like, playing it almost every night for, like, two hours, which is unheard wow. of for me. Um, I've been fighting. I figured out how to get remote play to work consistently just to get this game to play. And, and like, we, we got a new TiVo last week, and we've been transferring stuff from the old TiVo to the new TiVo. And that's been kind of using up the network. So Maureen was, was transferring a show, and I was trying to get it to work, and I was, like, audibly sighing. At her repeatedly that she was transferring the show when I was trying to play the game, but it is I I I'm really really happy with it. I think it's great. I I so do you guys know this thing where you're you're trying to play a game and your spouse or significant other walks into the room and starts talking to you like as you're trying to play a game and you don't want to be like shut up, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's like you're thinking. Um, so yeah, I think part of the reason I I didn't enjoy this is like Frank comes in and he's trying to like tell me about this terrible project he's got at work. And I'm like trying to listen to him, but I'm also trying to beat this boss. <laughs> and, and like it kept <laughs> killing me. So um I I think it's a really well done game. The the music is solid. The music is fantastic. It, it, it's clearly a labor of love. Um I think the implementation of the weapons is good. Um I've no doubt I will pick this up in the future and enjoy it and beat it. I do have to say, because it it really, really, really rips on Metroid, it's just kind of... I, I think it's derivative to a kind of disturbing point. And also to, like, you know, frankly, I like playing games as... You know, female characters yeah. and yeah. the fact that uh, a dude that's such an obvious stand-in for, you know, the dude that probably made this. It just, I don't know, it feels like a downgrade from Samus, who's awesome, yeah. you know? Yeah, the character, the main character is not great. And there's, like, some weird, I, I don't know how far you got. Once you get, like, past one of these bosses, it gets into some weird sci-fi stuff that 
is like I, I don't even know, and I don't even really care. I just want to <laughs> shoot things, basically. But, well, I yeah. I like the story I saw so far, but yeah. um, it gets weird. It does okay. get much weirder, and, and I don't know if I like how weird it gets, like the way that it gets weird. Well, but mm. I don't want to spoil anything for you, but okay. It's a well done game. It's a well done game. I like yeah. it a lot, and I'm really. I, I wish it would. I wish they would release the Vita port already, so I would don't wouldn't have to do the remote play thing. But I, I'm willing to put up with remote play to play through this game. I'm and, and it's like one of those things that I'm when I'm not playing, I'm thinking about it. Hmm. So it's yeah. I, I'm. Is it that long though? Like most Metroid games, you can beat in like ten hours. Yeah, or so. I'm so. probably or five if you want to see Samus without her helmet on. I'm really bad, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, plus you're specifically trying to do it without a walkthrough. So that means that you are going to be brute forcing a lot of stuff. I'm brute forcing a lot. I'm, I'm shooting a lot of things. I'm looking. I'm, I'm experimenting with a lot of stuff. Like, I'm not speed running it. There is a speed run mode that you can you can turn on. And I, I think it would probably go a lot faster. And if I had a walkthrough and telling me exactly where to go and how to beat the bosses and I wasn't trying to, like, figure that out on my own. I think it would probably take me a lot less time, but I'm enjoying kind of taking my time with it, especially because there's not really anything else on the horizon anyway. Like I was looking at the release schedule and the only thing that I'm excited yeah. about coming up is like the golf club. There's like nothing oh. out right now. So even I, a person who doesn't want to buy Axiom Verge, was thinking about getting it. But don't worry, Mortal Kombat's coming out. I, I made room in my Gamefly queue for Mortal Kombat reluctantly. So we'll see. You're going to hate it. What? Oh, Steve. I know I'm going to hate it. Steve, Steve. It's- it hasn't arrived yet. It's under embargo. This isn't my official review, but I already know you're going to hate it. I know I'm going to hate it too, but I mean, it's either that or it's either that or the Order 1886. So it's like six of one half a dozen but the Steve, other. But Steve, you aren't going to be able to play it if your kids are even like within a six block radius. Oh, like, I know. Okay. I'll play it for like an hour. What else am I going to, what else am I going to get from Gamefly right now? So it's, you know. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, you know, it'll hold me off, hold me over, you know, I'll play it for like five minutes and I'll send it back for Splatoon when it comes out. I so. look forward to enjoying it and hearing about how you hate it. Right? Oh, I will I will regale you with stories <laughs> of how much I hate it. We could have a whole episode about how much I hate Mortal Kombat. Yay! How are you handling not having a fight stick yet for it? Because that's my big hesitation with Mortal Kombat. Well, I don't have it yet, and uh, I'm kind of worried because they haven't sent me a copy, and I know that they're kind of weird about sending review copies. So... It's possible that I won't have Mortal Kombat in time to review it in a timely fashion. So, I don't know. But um, Mortal Kombat fight sticks, have you seen how they're designed? The buttons are in a completely different configuration, and I've never actually used one. I always just use a controller for Mortal Kombat because it's such a, frankly, no offense, I love Mortal Kombat, simplistic game that you don't necessarily need a fight stick in order to play it. At least it's never been something where I felt like I was really at a disadvantage because I didn't have a fight stick. But I've also never competed with Mortal Kombat. I just, I've played it for review and for fun, and I, that's it. I've never Mortal tried Kombat to enter is a, a much more simplistic game than Street Fighter. It is, um, yeah. I guess that's a good point. I, I guess I find myself. Um, oh God, what's the kind of anime like? It's it's like a Blasblue? by the same it's Blasblue on PS4. It's not Blasblue, but it's made by that same team. Guilty and, Gear. Um, yeah, it's a Guilty Gear remake. And um, I think I, I forget. You can get a demo of it on PS4. It's a really well done fighting game, and I want to buy it, but. Um, 
I just kind of refuse to invest in a fighting game until I get a, a fight stick because, you know, it's just, it's required for it to feel real. Do you know what I mean? So I do. I, I mean, I guess I sort of put Mortal Kombat in a similar category to Smash, which is kind of ironic because Smash is so family friendly, but like, yeah. it feels to me like a game that I've associated with a controller for so long that that's just how I see it being played personally whereas something like mvc i'm like no you need a fight stick for this or street fighter i feel like you have to have the fight stick but yeah i i mean i don't know that's just my personal association with it over time but i you know i'm sure somebody will write in about their mortal Kombat fight stick and talk about how they're gonna kick my butt and they're probably right (laughs) (laughs) well you could always play the uh the terrible free-to-play ios version of mortal Kombat x that came out today i yeah yeah we don't need to talk about that but yeah (laughs) i played a little bit of that that's that's yeah <laughs> it's no fi- it's not it's no Final Fantasy My record keeper. We'll just say that much. My personal opinion is that people should not try to play fighting games on their iOS device. <laughs> That's my opinion. <laughs> anyway, so um, so let's just to wrap up. Just a couple of things of where all of these talented women are, are around. Um, so Bree, your column at MacLight, but a real uh, speaking speaking of which about about you know why we're not seeing deeper games on iOS. Yeah. That was a really good read. So you should did go you check think that so? Out. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, for I that. did. Of yeah. course, I did. Yeah. yeah. And um, George is going to be leaving for NS North as soon as she finds her voice again. Oh. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm Maybe there's like a with... Stephen Hawking app that you can like type that out. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I think you've broken her. <laughs> I have something I forgot to put in the doc, Steve, that I can mention. Um, I was a guest on the Inconceivable Incomparable Game Show oh, this wow. past week, and oh, I don't know when that's out, but I can promise you that I told a ton of jokes. So if you think that I'm entertaining, then you can hear me tell a joke every single time I was supposed to answer a question on that episode, um, which will hopefully be out by the time this is out. But if it's not, you should listen anyway, because Georgia was on it and Bree was on it. Yep. I'm wow. doing. I'm, I'm also doing unfairly maligned tomorrow, which is a, a new podcast. It was actually uh, done by. Um, it's a podcast done by one of the writers on Dead Space, um, and uh, it's basically defending things everybody hates, which is why I'm so happy to do it. Um, I'm slated to defend Voyager, but I'm going to try to get him to let me uh, defend the prequels because oh, I feel no. like they yeah. must. I feel like I don't get enough hate my way. So <laughs> you need wow. more hate. You need more hate. I do. Awesome. I do. All right. So uh, as always, you can we we really do appreciate it when you rate and review the show on iTunes. It has our fancy new relay uh, show <laughs> art, and uh, we Woo-hoo. would really appreciate some reviews. Now that we moved over, that'll help us out a lot. I think the the show is getting some extra attention that can just kind of push us over the top. So if you haven't left a review and you would like to, uh, we would definitely appreciate that. Um, you can, as always, you can find the show notes. For this show and every show at relay.fm slash isometric or at isometricshow.com. You can uh, send us your, e- your feedback via email to feedback at isometricshow.com. And you can tweet all of us. Uh, the, twi- the show's Twitter account is at isometricshow. I am at Wicked Good. And Brie, where can people find you? Probably in Chicago. But other than that, I will also be uh, on Twitter at Space Cat Gal, which is an exciting and non-confrontational Twitter account. <laughs> and, and Maddie, where can people find you? Um, waiting my, by my mailbox for Mortal Kombat 10 to show up and also on I Twitter you were at Samus Clone. Bree's picture. Oh, that too. I, you know, yeah. I Maybe Brie will send you a picture of Mortal Kombat. 
Yeah, that would be great. Maddie, if you get an Apple Watch, I'll, I'll like draw you a little scorpion on my Ooh. Apple Watch and send it to you. <laughs> Friendship. That's right. <laughs> Did you actually say your Twitter handle, Maddie? Yeah, Sam is clone. Oh, okay. And, and Georgia, where can people find you? Every 12 hours, I appear on Twitter. And then, you know, like mythological beasts, I'm suddenly gone again. So every once in a while, I'm on Twitter at Georgia underscore Dow. Did you know if you say Georgia Dow three times that she'll appear in your house? You just have to say it three times. That is so creepy. Georgia Dow, Georgia Dow. I'm there. Don't do that. So uh, thank you as always for listening, and we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Dow.